It's not A plus B equals C, meaning A is your effort, B is the bull crap that you have to deal with, and mm -hmm. C is your goal or like the result. You need to put C equals B plus A, meaning your goal comes before literally anything else. Welcome everybody out to the DDD podcast, the Golden Door Deep Dive section. I'm your host, Roz. We've got Nate Van Dyke with us. Uh, very blessed to have him in the studio with us. So Nate, how's it going, man? Blessed to be here, dude. Give me, give, give me the, the dirty deets of your Golden Door summer. How much revenue did you put up? What did you sell? What market were you at? Yep. So I sold with Aptive in good old Louisville, Kentucky. And I sold Louisville. Some... Notice how he said it in the the language yeah. of the natives. If you if you show up and you say Louisville, they're they're gonna kick you straight out of the neighborhood. That's that's an automatic bagel day. Exactly. If you say that. Exactly. Um, yeah. So seven sixty five k. I think it was like about six hundred accounts even. Six hundred accounts even. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not bad. Um, so, anyways, this is your this was your sixth summer, correct? I'm, I'm old, salty. <laughs> nice. So what? Uh, how'd you get into the industry? Tell us your story. So I was a actually broke college student, like broke, broke at BYU when I first got recruited. I was delivering pizzas anytime that I wasn't in classes, pretty much in between classes. I was not joking you driving a $400 93 Toyota Camry to deliver my pizzas. Um, and so I had seen some ads at BYU for, for like door-to-door -door sales. And my cousin's husband, who had worked with Josh Nielsen before, back in like 2013 with GreenX, heard that I was interested in it. He's like, hey, you should, you should meet with these guys first. So I ended up meet, meeting with Josh Nielsen. I was, I, was, I was kind of a hard sell at first. I kind of shopped around, but they ended up getting me on board. Um, and I've just been with the, that original GreenX slash Grit crew ever since 2018. Nice. What was it that got you over the edge? That was... Yeah, kind of the, the difference that I felt was, I don't know, like even though I didn't know him that well yet, I didn't really know anyone inside Green X or the Grit, but the difference maker for me was I just, I felt like kind of like a spark of like, I don't know, an X factor, like that, like I felt like that they cared about me, even though I, you know, didn't know him yet. Sure. But that like, I don't know, they, they there was some belief, some initial belief in like my potential. Which was something I did not have at the time because yeah. I was slinging pizzas. Yeah, you're a broke college kid. You're delivering pizzas in between classes. Like the self talk at that time probably wasn't wasn't, super wasn't fantastic. Great. No. So the fact that they believed in you, I believe, like listening to this, started your journey on your own personal self belief. So let's speak to that a little bit. What? How has your journey been from going from that to now Golden Door winner? How has your self belief changed over the years? And I would say that was honestly the only like single greatest factor that changed it for me this summer. Like I think my self-belief has always been kind of like middle of the pack. Like I believe in myself and I've always kind of sold like middle numbers between 300 and 400K usually. Um, and I was, I was talking to a couple of the guys about this. I don't think it's a coincidence that all of a sudden 33 people at the grit in one year 
do a golden door. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like one thing like, oh, we were all training like six hours a day in the off season. I just think for so many of us, like seeing each other and then like seeing ourselves, I think the switch just flipped of like, it really isn't something, it's not one thing. It's just, it's just believing in yourself. Yeah. And culture is such a big part of that. It's, um, you know, I've been reading the book Above the Line by Urban Meyer recently, where he talks about the culture code of being like relentless effort, competitive excellence, and the power of the unit. And, you know, you really see that at companies like Grit, and it speaks volumes to have, um, you know, 33 Golden Door winners coming out of this. Um, do you believe that you were a product of that culture entirely, or what else? Were there any other factors you believe that went into it? 100%. Um, I was talking on this other podcast, like, I, it, it sounds weird, but, like, you talk about, like, the five different love languages, and mine is, mine is like, words of affirmation. So 100%, the one thing that gets me going is my manager calling me and being like, dude, you got to hit 10 accounts. Like, I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's an hour past dark, you got to hit double digits today. And I just think that the, along the way, just getting so much of like the praise and the, I don't know, just the belief, like if you can't believe in yourself, you have plenty, you've surrounded yourself with people who believe in you, who can buoy you up when you don't. Absolutely. And honestly, really, sometimes when you're down down and out, it really is all that it takes. It's just that one person that sincerely looks you in the eye and says like, hey, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. Like you got more in the tank. I believe in this. Um, so now speak to me about this past summer. So um, what, what, what's the story? Yeah. How'd you get to a golden door this so summer? So every summer... Over the last three summers, I've shot for a golden door and I get out that Sharpie and I dry erase on my mirror, you know, the 650K back when it was 550K, whatever. And it was always one of those things where I start off super hot. I have it like in my head that I'm going to do it. And then after about a month into the summer, I've kind of like settled into like, well, I'll shoot for it, but I'll probably just get a higher goal. I won't, I won't quite reach it. Um, I honestly, I had kind of given up on my goal not given up, but like the reality sinking in of like, okay, I got to do them. Okay. I'm going to be out here till like mid October at this rate. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was like halfway through July. And then I just, I had one big day that I turned into like a couple weeks of good days. And I just realized like, holy crap, like this is like, this is possible. Like if I just, if I just wake up at this time, if I get up early, if I get on the doors early and I just go a hundred percent balls to the wall, then there's no reason that I can't keep doing this over and over and over again. So I just, it was, it was just one good day that made me realize that frick, why can't I do this every day? As, yeah. As cliche as it sounds. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, it's, uh, the principle of, um, and a mentor of mine, Adam Webb, shout out. He taught me this principle of, um, take today's limits and make them into tomorrow's standards. So that one day where you had, you know, monumental accomplishment where it's like, okay, this was my limit. This is, I'm hitting pretty big numbers. Why isn't this it like this every day? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people like the idea of that, but then the execution is poor. What do you think is the main reason for that? I just, I think so many people get way too much in their head about like the math with it. Like for example, at the beginning of the summer, you're thinking to yourself, okay, if I need to hit a golden door, I need to do six and a half accounts a day. And then three days in a row, you don't hit that. So immediately you start redoing the math in your head of like, oh, shoot, now tomorrow I have to sell eight to make up for that and blah, blah, blah. 
Um, I think getting too much into the weeds and thinking too much about the end goal, like in that moment, especially if it's a far end goal, I think that will only push you kind of like away from doing it. Mm-hmm. It can it can kind of make it seem hopeless. I think kind of the opposite end of the spectrum for me was I was like, oh shoot, if I can average 10k a day, I get to go home in like two weeks. I get to hit my goal. Uh-huh. And that was that was kind of the fuel in the fire for me on that was like, I, I, yeah, if I if I crank these out, I'll actually be able to hit my goal by the time that I like want to. Absolutely, absolutely. What would you tell a rep that's in their head like that? How do you get out of that? I think I am really good, and you can ask my team. Like at the grit, we're really supposed to be good at posting in the group chat your deals. Like, oh, I had to, I had to resolve this objection five times, and I went from this price to this price. We're all supposed to send that in after we after we get a deal. Mm-hmm. And me, everyone knows on my team, when I'm zoned in, I am zoned in. Everything is on do not disturb on my phone. I don't touch my phone unless I'm like texting a technician or texting a customer. I would say that just not being distracted, just completely cutting that out. And then also having a reality check. Um, one of our guys, Chuck Mills, talks a lot about, he's like, dude, at the end of the day, sometimes you just got to take a step back and realize our job is to ride around on scooters all day talking to people and collecting credit cards. Apart from that, that is the worst case scenario. That is how bad your day could be. Worst case scenario, I'm hot. Worst case (laughs) scenario, I'm tired. But it's really, I think I would get so much in my head like, oh, dude, I got to hit this goal. It's so hard, this job. And it's like, dude, I'm just, I'm walking around talking to people. Simplify. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's interesting because I've always said, if you got like an AI robot, Sam and I call it the Karen robot, that uh-huh. basically just, you know, you gave it an iPad, had it go door to door, just showing people a video of your product, they'll probably sell mm-hmm. a, a significant amount. Yep. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, it's like if, you, if I'm having the worst day possible, it's still a numbers game. If, I, if the only thing I want to do is go home, I know even if I'm not in the best headspace, I know if I keep knocking doors, I'm still eventually going to sell people. Yeah. Just because if you, if you talk to enough people, even if you're having a bad day, you're still going to sell somebody. Absolutely. Because the thing is you take out emotion, the error of human emotion out of the mm-hmm. equation. Because if you get in your head, you're dead. If you view everybody, it, I've always thought it's interesting that the doors are, it, the doors are like a mirror. So it's like whatever you give it, it'll throw back at you. Mm-hmm. If you throw in that negative uh, energy, if you throw in that um, negative self-belief, it's going to be thrown right back at you. Mm-hmm. Sam Taggart here with Door to Door Con 7 coming up right around the corner. Get your tickets at dddcon.com. January 25th through the 27th in Salt Lake City, Utah. You aren't going to want to miss this. Don't procrastinate, go take action, bring you and your team because we level up your sales, level up your recruiting, and level up your business. Come as a team, learn as a team, and leave as a tribe. Um, So how do you um, overcome the hard days where you're having a hard time eliminating the human emotion from it? Yeah, so I don't know. I I think part of it is getting dialed in for sure. And I think the other part is just, you have to be able to see kind of like a positive light in whatever situation that you're in. Just kind of like the mentality of like, we talked about this a lot this year, but just like make it happen. Because there's a lot, if you, if you one of the one of the things that the grit has really pushed this last year um, that Calvin would talk about is, it's not A plus B equals C, meaning A is your effort, B is the bull crap that you have to deal with, and mm-hmm. C is your goal 
or like the result, you need to put C equals B plus A, meaning your goal comes before literally anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of having that holistic idea, no matter what situation that you're in. Um, and one thing they kind of, after the summer, my manager actually literally admitted, he was like, dude, I would throw any freaking area at you just to see like if it would mess you up, right? Mm-hmm. Because I would, I would, I did have a couple like new developments and higher income stuff, but I was, I was knocking literally anything from basically a trailer park all the way to like gated mansions where you would have to like, you know, sneak into the neighborhood to even <laughs> have a chance of selling like one person. So I think no matter what situation you're in, you need to have a positive spin on it. Like, okay, if I'm in a poor area, that means that these people talk to less door to door salesmen. Yeah. Or if I'm in a more rich area, it means, okay, these people talk to more salesmen, but they also have more disposable income. Whatever area that you're in or whatever company you're selling with or product that you're selling with, there's always a strength that you can kind of play to. Yeah. And the idea is getting yourself psyched up about it. Even if, even if it isn't necessarily your favorite, just getting yourself psyched up in some way or another about your area or your product or the day or, or whatever. Yeah, and I think that's a real key to like top 1% thinking is no matter what's thrown at you is your perception of that. Like you said, a lot of guys will get thrown in a rich area and be like, everyone here is mean. Mm -hmm. Or a lot of guys will get thrown in the trailer park, everyone here is broke. Uh (laughs) And they they accentuate the negative in in that scenario. Whereas if you accentuate the positive in each area that you go to, there's kind of nothing you can't overcome then, is what you're saying. Basically, your belief will become reality either way. Yeah. Whether it's positive or negative. Absolutely. So um, now kind of let's like walk through the psychology of the Golden Door winner. What goes through their mind? How did like, you know, a lot of people will say like, oh, that guy's just built different. Mm -hmm. Like what's the X factor here? And that's that's the biggest. It sounds so cliche. I feel like this has been said so many times, but just and sometimes it takes just spending some time with a couple of these dudes like the Golden Door winners. Like you realize they're just they're just humans. Yeah. Like there is no X factor. And that's what that's what happens. I think David Goggins talks about this is people want there to be something like, oh, no, he's crazy. <laughs> yeah. The only reason he is so good is because he's kind of like messed up in the head. And the, the grit, we say they have a couple screws loose. Right. But it's it's like true. It's like you need to be really dedicated to it. But it's not an excuse to say, oh, he was born with it. Like if you were to walk into a room and put a bunch of reps together and have to guess the golden door reps, I don't think you'd be able to. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the average person would have a single chance of guessing it just because it's not it's not just like surface level. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. You're you're the ninth guy we've had on the podcast and every single time it's like it's just a normal dude. Like cool guy for sure. It's like talking to like Zach Seeger. Uh-huh. He's awesome. Yeah. Oh, he's And and like he elevates your your brain and your mindset even just talking to him. Uh-huh. But he's also just like a regular dude too. You I think, know, I think half of us are introverts and, too. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, you guys are all chill. It's there's no like secret sauce. There's nothing in the water. It's just mindset mm-hmm. at that point. It's habits. It's culture. All of those things, which is it's been so cool. And I love asking questions like that uh, on the podcast because you know now you being like the ninth guy, it's like just like back to back to back. It's all the same answers. Mm-hmm. Like everyone that's listening to this right now, you guys can point back to every single podcast and there's always those consistent themes um, every single time. So um, now speak to me about, um, you know, 
six years running into it, every year you had the goal, and then this last summer, you know, you finally had that that breakthrough. What would you tell someone that's trying to get that breakthrough of self-belief? That they've had the Golden Door goal, but they just haven't been able to get it, and they want to hit it. What do you tell them? I would say there is a, there there is some sort of like minimum to like being realistic. Like there are outliers like the Corbin Hansons and the Jacob Griffiths, but I would say okay, for me to realistically set this goal, I would say the minimum kind of the floor is like okay, having done 350k, 400k before. Mm-hmm. I think once you get past 400k, it becomes obviously training is always important, but so much of it just becomes mentality and self-belief. Mm-hmm. as opposed to getting more and more and more and more training in. At that point, it basically, if you talk to some of these top guys, it just becomes it becomes you against yourself. And I think that's what ends up making the difference. Um, as far as like getting that self-belief, you just have to, you just need to get to a point, like remember yourself when you were at your best. And it, it sounds funny, but we have, we have this competition called the Rumble, mm-hmm. right at the end of the summer where it's a team versus team competition. And we get into it and everyone sells their best. It's not even close. Like everyone can more than double their summer in that short period of time at the end of the summer. And you realize there is no reason for it, right? It's yeah. just, it's all psychological. It's like 100%. the reason, and I, I don't like, the reason we do it is for each other, right? It's a crazy intense team versus team competition, but it is important because we say it's important, right? So we get to the end of the rumble and everyone's always like, dude, why don't we just tell ourselves that it's the rumble like every freaking, <laughs> every day of the week, right? Yeah. Because it literally is just a switch of like, okay, I gotta go, I gotta go. I gotta get after it today. I gotta beat this other team, whatever. I I would just say like, get, find your best day. Have your best day, whether that's, you know, anywhere between five or 15K, whatever. Have that day and then just capitalize on it from there. Like just, it's, it sounds so cliche and Drew Hansen would say this all the time and I'll be like, oh, it's easy for you to say blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it really is like find your absolute best day and then just figure out what you did and ask yourself why you can't do that every day. Like, like you were saying earlier, yeah. once, once you've kind of figured out like the, your limits kind of set that, like you said yourself as, as your new standard here. Absolutely. So getting to that. Day in and day out, what do those habits look like for you? So I would say one of them is, for me, I struggle really hard unless I have like a consistent sleep schedule. Um, so I think that period of time when I was when I was doing really well, I was, I was skipping the morning meetings and I told my manager every single day, hey, for the rest of the week, I'm going to be on the doors by 10 a.m., right? And for honest, honestly, for me, it is such a big thing just to wake up at the same time every day, like it's as simple as it sounds. So just having a consistent schedule. Um, yeah, giving yourself like when you reach a certain elite level, it's not one giant thing that's going to make you better. It's not one huge like thing that's going to make the difference. It's little stuff. And for me, I figured out, okay, if I knock rumble hours or competition hours, mm-hmm. that gives me an extra two and a half, three hours a day on the doors. So that, that for me made a huge difference. And honestly, shout out to the rookies on uh, team Louisville, like Brannick and Jack talking to you guys. Um, but we realized some of us salty dogs realized that we were being kind of soft. Like we would hear all about the trainings of like, especially like knocking late, right? Yeah. Like, Hey, knock late. It'll give you an extra, like. 30 minutes a day which is like an extra 100 sales over the summer right Mm -hmm. 
and we would have these salt these rookies right both under 20 years old if i remember right they would be confidently out there knocking people's doors until about 9 50 10 p.m wow every single night and that was and they would get deals late yeah always clocking deals late and i think that was the other big one as far as maximizing time like frick dude like if i can just get an extra one sale a day after 9 p.m after 9 30 p.m it'll help a ton overall in my summer yeah it's such a paradigm for people to overcome because people are like oh like it's late and you'll always get that guy that's like dude you just woke up my baby you just like you piss me off like right now doing this but then you get those people, you knock on their door, and they're like, oh, man, I just got home from work. And they've, it's the like they've the never street, talked to You see the entire homes lit up and the garage is open, and you're like, oh, the stars have aligned for me. Yeah. This one person's house, right? Exactly. What Do you have any like tips or tricks on how to overcome that paradigm then? First off, nobody is more uncomfortable knocking late than me. It makes me so uncomfortable knocking late. Yeah. And I, the biggest thing for me was realizing, okay, most of the time we are in neighborhoods we're just knocking signs of life, right? Between 12 p.m. and freaking 6 p.m., there is like a 50-50 chance of them being home. So your brain says to yourself, oh, don't knock on this person's door because you're going to piss them off. Mm. You're going to piss them off. They're going to piss whatever. But then you realize this is a person who I would not talk to otherwise because the decision makers on both spouses are home mm-hmm. as opposed to tomorrow when at 2.30 p.m. I'm going to knock at the door and either the wife answers who isn't the decision maker or nobody answers because nobody's home. Yeah. So just by fact of you know they are home, that's your sign to, that's the number one thing that we're, the struggle that we look for in sales is just finding somebody who's at home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's your favorite kind of customer? Um... Honestly, it's it's probably just your stereotypical like a, a new move in and a new dev. Yeah. Like as as far as like laydowns go, like those are the most like fun, I would say. But the most satisfying are the ones who are like stupid difficult to get and who will admit that to you. Like as you push them. <laughs> like I had one, I was getting absolutely hammered this one day, and I had this lady who had who was taking her mail inside. And I zoomed up to her like full blast on my Segway. She saw me. Her (laughs) eyes lit up. She goes, not interested. And she goes in to slam the door. And I just go, hold on, hold on, really quick, really quick. Like, have you heard about what I'm doing? And I ended up, it took took 45 minutes, but I ended up getting her. And it was just the most satisfying sale because she was literally running away from me trying to get inside. (laughs) But I was able to finesse it. Just when you can tell... That was, this is probably the first year that that happened when you can tell like, oh my gosh, there is no way anybody else on earth would have gotten this sale because either the timing or the way I handled it, the way I kind of figured out their personality was absolutely perfect. I think that's the most satisfying, like people who are crazy antisocial, people who have a big fat no soliciting sign or multiple no soliciting signs, or like having to resell the husband who was totally not down, who already told you no. Mm-hmm. I think... Those are the most satisfying ones when you're like, okay, that was that was all me because that person would have shut me down in the first 10 seconds. Yeah. How often do you get those people? I'm getting them a lot more in this last summer. And that that's the other big thing is we do something called sifting and it's a bad habit. I, I still to this day, I've been doing this job for six years. I do not trust myself in the slightest to figure out when somebody is actually a buyer. Mm-hmm. I, it does not. It does not follow any logic whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of times when I think to myself, this guy isn't interested. He's not even listening. He hasn't given me any feedback. 
and then I just say, screw it, I'm gonna close them. And then you close them and they end up being like a huge lay down. I just, I don't trust myself anymore. So my biggest thing of advice is I don't care how freaking interested or not interested they seem, just just close them. Worst case scenario, you're a door-to-door salesman. They know you're gonna try and close them either way. You're already there on their front door. Worst case scenario, you piss them off and then they forget about you forever. Jeez. But just just close them because you never you never know. Take notes, guys. I mean that that's actually really powerful. A lot of times, yeah, we do get, you know, up to the point, the threshold where we're like, okay, this guy's either gonna buy or he's not gonna buy. And I feel like a lot of reps they'll talk themselves out of it because they want they don't want the discomfort of the objections. They don't want the discomfort of the like the awkward dance of like willy wony, and they don't want to do the arm wrestle, which. Um, at the end of the day, it's just lazy knocking. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say to the rep that's uncomfortable to close? It's, let's say if you're a rookie, it's like this, it's really uncomfortable, right? It's a high level of discomfort to close somebody when you think that they're not interested at all. Mm-hmm. But the amount of satisfaction that you get from getting somebody who you thought was not interested at all will vastly supersede whatever discomfort. 100%. Like just, yeah. the, just the satisfaction of saying, that was really hard. It made me really uncomfortable. But because I did it, even though I was uncomfortable, I got a deal that somebody probably would have walked away from. Yeah. So at that point, it's just the mental resilience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's who's going to last longer in this battle. <laughs> and there's there's just a certain level of like, my job as a salesman, I my job is to sell people. I'm not here, like, obviously you're friendly, but I'm not here to make best friends with people. I'm not yeah. here to like, walk on eggshells, like, oh, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, sir. Like, your job is to sell people yeah. at the end of the day. And you're not an order taker. And the way to do that is to close them. That's it's yeah. as simple as that. Because the guys that are just always looking for the laydowns, I mean, honestly, there's kind of no difference between people looking for the easy deals all the time and someone just taking orders at McDonald's. It's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. They knock the door, oh, yeah, I'll take this and this and this, and it's easy. Part of sales is the persuasion. Mm-hmm. It's the influence. It's selling. That's why... This is um, the skill of sales. If you're, if you can sell, you're never out of a job. There's always value mm-hmm. to be had. I don't care AI. I don't care about all of this stuff. The technology that comes out. Everyone, any company is always going to need a great sales rep, no matter what. Um, so yeah, that's absolutely powerful principle. Um, what was the most common objection you got in Louisville? It's honestly, it's still, it's probably still one of the softest markets out there. So just a lot of people just don't have pest control. Okay. I would, I would say it's there. Are, there's a more than anything. There is a very, very high amount of do-it-yourselfers. Mm-hmm. Kind of just kind of a stereotypical Midwest out gotcha. there. What's yeah. your rebuttal to that? It's, it's something that Brock would train us on a lot. You kind of have to put yourself in the mind of a do-it-yourselfer, and you kind of have to like. I don't know. I kind of go with the strategy of like sympathizing with them. Like, dude, it's not like, come on. It's not like anybody out here has any problems. It's just nice to get it flushed out and sealed off once the blue moon, just like as basic maintenance. Right. And then you really hammer on like things that they don't like or like long contracts, contracts in general. The fact that it's a constant like billing service. So just tell them, be like, yeah, tell you what, the, the line I would use on almost like half the doors out there is tell you what, try me out for a year just to get the home completely flushed out and sealed off. After that year, cancel us. Your home will be bug free, but at least just try us out just because you guys are overdue for a flush out. So I just think for for do-it-yourselfers, 
You never, I, I don't think you want to whack on them or what's it called? You don't want to like make them feel bad about, you know, doing it themselves because I think that's something that they take pride in. Yeah. I do it myself. Mm. So regardless of whether or not they're spraying freaking water on the foundation, it's something that they kind of take pride in. Sure. So not going too hard on being like, oh, well, our products are better. Your stuff doesn't work too well. But just kind of making it not that big of a deal to get it done just because everyone else is doing it. And it's just part of taking care of your home. That makes sense. Yeah. It, um, especially because even without the DIYers, um, it's your job to generate interest mm-hmm. among people that don't see pest control as a problem. What What's kind of your take on that? How do you generate interest? That's That's honestly the perfect question. The number one, like, actual, like... Pitch-wise, the number one difference maker for me this year is going yard, is what we call it. People Mm. getting any excuse possible to meet them in the backyard, to do an inspection around their home. I would say probably 90%, maybe more, maybe 95% of all my sales. I don't care if it was a laydown. I don't Mm. care if it was zero interest. I don't care if they were kind of in a big hurry. I got in the backyard pretty much no matter what. Hey, to give you a good idea on price, I just have to see how big everything is real quick. Meet me around back mm. just to get back there. And then you just start walking. Because then, A, you're not a door-to-door salesman. They can't shut the door in your face. And, B, there's just there's always, I don't care if it's a new dev, there's always spider webs, ant hills, wasp nests. You can always find something to twist on. Mm-hmm. And just showing them, because the biggest problem, anything like need. Sales is just the need. Yeah. So if as you're doing a lap around the home with the customer and then you can show them the need, that's it's a done deal. Yeah, absolutely. Because people don't know they don't need something until they actually see it sometimes. Exactly. Which, uh, honestly, yeah, that's a powerful sales technique. Um, so, shifting gears a little bit, uh, talking about D2DCon. So, January 25th through the 27th. Is this going to be your first D2DCon you've attended? Market calendars, yep. <laughs> what are you most looking forward to? With DDDCon, aside from being on the Golden Door stage. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea what happens on D- at DDDCon, apart, oh. apart from us getting a Golden Door Award. I don't know what it entails, dude. You must repent, my yeah. brother. Well, here we are. So DDDCon, let me give you the lay down. So okay. it's a beautiful experience where every industry con- comes together just in the name of learning, in the name of self-betterment, in the name of networking. Um, biggest thing about it, we have workshops, we have people that are, uh, you know, training on recruiting, training on sales techniques, training on mindset, um, and then we have a bunch of main stage keynote speakers. So this year we got Sean White coming, we got, we're labeling it as the greats. So Sean White, Lance Armstrong, people that are, have been consistent winners through the years. Uh, Chris Voss is going to be coming and speaking, Sam, obviously. So, um, Coming together as an industry, taking off the hats, taking off the labels. That's uh, what I've been saying has been like the best part of DDDCon is like, it's like not, hey, I'm with grit. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm Roz with Vivint. Hey, I'm this person. It's no, we're all just in this weird journey together just where students. we're all just knocking, we knock doors and we make weird amount of money doing it. And we're coming together to talk about it <laughs> and bring everyone from the States in. So, we're super looking forward to having you on the stage, looking forward to um, giving you the Golden Door Award. And it, it's truly going to be a beautiful experience with everyone that's coming in. Um, so that's definitely going to be the, the thing to look forward to is, you know, just the, the industry coming in together. And then having access to 
guys like you, guys like Zach Seeger, guys like Drew Hansen, um, guys that may not even be in your own industry. Again, it's like what we said earlier. You're all just a bunch of cool dudes. Like, We're all just you're a not going to bite. <laughs> you're not going to bite. And, you know, some of the best friends I've made have been friends outside of, uh, you know, across the different industries. Mm-hmm. And there's always something to learn from everyone. I mean, sales is sales no matter where you go. It's like whether I'm selling bug juice, whether I'm selling security systems, whether I'm slinging some solar. You know, if you have, if you know people and you have your influence down, that's what's going to be making the biggest difference. So we're excited to have you on the DDDCon stage. Um, speaking to kind of like DDDCon, it is like an investment in yourself, right? What have you done like yourself personally to invest in yourself and in your own growth? As in like? Personal development, uh-huh. as in like, do you have a coach? Do you have someone like? Uh, like any masterminds you're a part of honestly nothing really nothing too fancy like it it's for me i i read some of the really basic books like seller be sold by mm-hmm. grant cardone i like to listen to i like to let a shout out to uh, the landing pad the uh, grit podcast that's a good one sales related i listen to this one um and apart from that it's it's really nothing too fancy like just as far as it's once going back into cliche territory, wake up at the same time, mm-hmm. meditate, read, whether that's spiritual or development or both, eat a good diet, exercise, go to bed around the same time every day. Apart from that, I'm, I'm pretty simple as far as that goes, as far as just following that code. That's what's worked for me. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe that is the difference between a single Golden Door winner and a double Golden Door winner is that investment in yourself Mm -hmm. not to call you out but um next year baby (laughs) next year but anyways um we've talked about you know where you've come from where have you been where where are you headed what's the goal for next year next year is to get it done a million dollars in revenue at least that's where i'm headed yep why is that um it's it's one of those things where you hear people talk about it all the time, but like you think about a goal and you fantasize about a goal for so long and then you get there and you go, oh, well, what do I do now? <laughs> you get there and it feels good in the moment, but then afterwards you're just thinking about like what's next. Yeah. So I, I think the logical next step for me is a million dollars in revenue um, to hit that goal just because now that I know that I can do this much, there's, there's no reason I can't improve on because there's just looking back on it like, yeah, I had a good summer, but there's so much. There's so much that you can do better. So I just think, yeah, the the, the ramp is steep and you just got to keep ramping. The future is bright, my friend. The future is very bright. Well, again, we're very much looking forward to having you on the DDDCon stage with the with the, your Golden Door Award. Um Love doing these interviews. Love meeting you guys, getting to know everyone. It's been awesome. Um, any last parting words to the industry before we, we let you go? I I think I honestly think that's about it. I would just say it's so much of what I was saying earlier of just putting your goal before anything else. It's not your effort plus the crap that you have to deal with that equals your goal. It's your goal equals the crap you deal with plus the effort like it's 
if that becomes the one thing that you live and breathe and die for, if that is like the forefront of all of your actions and you actually like genuinely live that, you will, you will hit your goal. So Amazing. Leave you with that. Well, my man, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, everyone. This has been a Golden Door deep dive segment of the D2D podcast. Tune in next week. We'll have more Golden Door winners for you.